Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. It's back, the ultimate motorsport prize, a trip to the Indy 500. Get this, return flights for two, four nights in Indianapolis, plus transfers, reserve seating, race tickets and driver parade. Police escort a two-seater ride in a purpose-built Indy car around the track itself. There's meet and greets. It is the complete VIP treatment and unlike anything before it. The prize is not being auctioned, it's being raffled. Tickets are just $20 and all proceeds go to the Peter Duncan Neurosciences Research Unit at St Vincent's Hospital. Go to the ultimate motorsportprize.com.au to get your tickets now. Thanks, Pertech, you bloody legends. Welcome to another edition of Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the only podcast that talks with the legends every single episode and not about them. This is Best Of. A chat with one of the game's greats from their Legends series interview already in our library of legends where none of our interviews or episodes ever date. This one is with a guy who changed the game and the way it was played. Two Kangaroo Tours, two Rothmans medals, two M medals, a Golden Boot and a Clive Churchill in one of his four grand final wins. He achieved it all. He could do it all. This is Peter Sterling. If you enjoy this quick chat with the great man, you will love the full interview. It's unfiltered and episodes 247 and 248 in the library. Here's Sterlo. Enjoy. I wasn't big, strong, fast, endowed with an enormous amount of ability, but I worked really hard. I don't think anybody worked hard on it, and I worked very, very hard on the mental side of the game mm. um, because I realised that that was going to be the difference as to whether I made it and was able to cut it in first grade in Sydney mm. is that, you know, between the years that I was, you know, strong in comparison to others. So, yep. um, yeah, I, you know, role, role model gets thrown around and, and yes, you, you, you are, if people perceive you that way, you can't argue with it. Mm. I wasn't a great role model in a lot of ways, but I would also like to think that, I never did things that I look back and cringe too much at yep. and I never got into too much trouble. Um, and I could have done Andy. Like my mum passed away when I was nine and I had a lot of free time. And my dad, I had three sisters. Yep. My dad was uh, away a lot um, through work and, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Like he's trying to feed four kids. Yeah. Um, so I had a lot of free time and I, I they could have gone – Different mm. ways, you know. So rugby league was a, was a godsend for me that it it kept me uh, interested and involved, mm. and I ended up being great mates. I grew up in Raymond Terrace. And I ended up, and I'm still great mates with with uh, with the, the the same family. I was almost the fifth son of of you know th- this family that I spent every weekend with type yeah. thing. So. Uh, rugby league was so important for me early on that it, it kept me on a good path where, you know, time on my hands. Uh, I, I don't know how I go here, but I, I remember my father was leaving to go to work one morning and I needed a, a note for school. And so what dad would do, he'd actually just sign the bottom and we <laughs> and I could fill in what I wanted. So I could have actually sat down 
you know, to headmaster or to whom it may concern, please excuse Peter from school for the next six months for whatever, <laughs> whatever. But I never did. Maybe I should have. I don't know. So um, I, I had a lot of latitude then. Um, so rugby league was was vital that it kept my energy um, in the right place and kept me on the right path. A travelled youngster, you'd arrive in Sydney and in the top grade in 1978. Debut day, July 23, Cumberland Oval against St George. Mm. What are your fondest memories of the old Cumberland Oval before it went up in flames? Well, I just want to talk about that game first up. my I wouldn't say it's a fond memory, but I still have this, the sprig marks of Mitch Brennan who ran straight over the top of me in that debut game. So they're still on my chest um, <laughs> from all of those years ago. Uh, Cumberland Oval was – I loved Cumberland Oval. It was – it had nothing going for it, but it was ours. Yeah. You know, it was barbed wire around the place. It was it was bitumen. The the dress the dressing rooms and the ramshackle um, grandstands was was a complete fire hazard, but it was ours. Yeah. You know, and 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 we loved and we loved inviting teams to come there. Maybe not so much like the you know, Lidcombe Oval and the Western Suburbs mm. boys did, but we thought if you're you know coming to to where we live, you know there's no niceties mm. there for you. There's no no comfort for you. Um. And I think it was fitting that I, I I saw the last of Cumberland Oval from the sports lounge on the top of Parramatta Lees Club after the grand final win, and I could see this orange glow in the distance. And I eventually meandered over there and saw it in its full glory. Any episode, any time, our interviews never date, never, any of them. Over 500 to choose from. Download the lot and rip in, legends. I don't recall Jack Gibson coming down in one of the grand final wins we had, and we had a good lead over Manly. Might have been 17, 16, 4 or something. I don't remember Jack Gibson coming down to the sheds at halftime. So to me, one of the greatest halftime speeches he ever gave, had there was nothing to it because yeah. by the fact that he didn't come down, what he was saying to us... Is this one of the grand finals? This is a grand final, yeah, 82 or 83. I don't remember him coming down and addressing the group. And what that, what I took from that is that, well, everything's okay. I, I don't need to say anything to you. Basically go out and do the same thing in the second half. I've never been more confident about winning a football game than going out in that second half of that one because Jack never, ever felt the need to fill the void. Yeah. to fill the space. And I think there are some coaches, and I didn't plan to that many, but I think that there are some coaches who who have to fill the space to justify their job. Yeah, Jack never felt that. So Jack only said something if he felt that something needed to be said. And at halftime in a grand final when we were going well, there was no need to say anything. So um, you know, that kind of leadership came from, from Mick as well in regards to he only said something if something needed to be said. Um, all had good senses of humour. Yeah. Yeah, when Jack Gibson signed at the club, everybody sort of thought that he had this aura of unapproachability and, you know, was a stern – couldn't have been further from the truth. Like he was – I loved Jack. You know, Jack – and I truly – when I say loved him, I loved him. Yeah. Like I loved him as a a friend, as a a mentor, all of those kind of things. I was only coached by Jack for three years, but for the next 20, if I had a – an area of concern or a problem in my life, he would be the first person I called. And I know he welcomed the phone call. He did. And it could do with anything. Yeah. Like, 
you know, we didn't we didn't talk that much rugby league. You know, Jack. Mm. I love Jack because I know Jack loved me. Um, he was way more concerned about me as an individual than as a rugby league player. He was mm. – I learned so much more from Jack Gibson than just to run past tackle and yeah. kick, you know. Um, so we had that kind of leadership at the club and and you need that kind of leadership to be successful. In your three analogies there, Ray, Mick and Jack. Leadership, I'll throw Edgy in as well. And Steve. Yeah. Leadership comes in many and different forms, doesn't it? Yeah, There's no playbook for it. No, no, and – uh, leadership comes in, in in so many different ways as well. It can be verbal, or it can just be um, leading the way. You yeah, know, do as I do yep. type thing. So, um, but the great leaders I find don't necessarily, you know, they don't acknowledge themselves as great leaders. It's just it's a really natural thing for mm. them. Speaking of natural, the most naturally talented footballer you've seen. I think you've been on record by saying that, Brett Kenny. The combination of you and Brett, so good, certainly in the discussion for best ever. Two different footballers, two very different blokes, but the yin and the yang, you found each other at the right time. Yeah, I made him look good for 10 years, Andy. That's right. That's, that's, um, he'll tell you different. He'll talk about the passes he had to pick off, off, off his bootlaces. But, <laughs> um, yeah, he was, he was easy to play inside. Um, my job at the Parramatta side was very easy because when you've got Brett Kenny, Stephen Eller, Mick Cronin, Eric Groth, throw in Neil Hunt, Steve McKenzie or Paul Taylor, yeah, my job was to get the ball to them at the right times. Mm. So if I caught the football, it was either I needed – if I saw something, then I would take the line on. Mm. But more often than not, it was just to get the ball to Brett in as much space and as much room as I could mm. in the best position. My job was to count numbers. Yep. Now, to me, rugby league has always been a, a really simple game, and it's kind of to me, it's a mathematical game. Yeah. Um, and everybody wants to make it different, difficult. But if we had four players on one side of the field and they had three, it made sense to me that that was where we had to go. The legends at Pertech are a fabulous sponsor of Andy Raymond Unfiltered and super proud of their Protect range of products. Biodegradable and environmentally friendly, the Lanolin range is Australian made too. The Protect range of products is available from the 107 Pertex stores Australia wide. Check out all the details on their extensive range of Protect products at pertech.com.au. Thanks Pertech for your continued support of Unfiltered. Pete, everyone's got an opinion. Often it depends on what side of the tweed you live. Wally and Brett, who wins? I, I'm, again, I'm biased here. Uh, very, very different players but but have great uh, impact on whatever game they'd play. I, yep. well, well, you know, Brett's record's very, very good against Wally but I'm not going to split them. I, I'm going to play in a team where you've got to find a spot for both of them. Yeah. Um, so I, again, it's I think it's a moot point because they both had great, very different attributes. Obviously, Wally played like more of a back rower, mm-hmm. um, whereas Brett Silky's skills, the way that he moved, um, but had huge impact on whatever game they were involved in. We've spoken about Bert. What was it about Wally that made him special? Made him different? Made him better? Well, I, I think as we mentioned before, Wally made the difficult look easy. In the biggest moments of games, 
and he wanted to be that person. He wanted – I love players who, when the game's on the line, they want they want the ball. They mm. want to be involved. They they want to be that person. Yeah. And Wally, Wally was definitely that. Yeah. You know, you, you look at – Finales of grand, of of Origin games, especially for Queensland, and in tight games, which they invariably won, he was the person. He was the yeah. difference. You know, I was up against it a couple of times, and I I I remember they scored down a short side from a I think a tap, and you looked at it and you thought, how mm. that how did he do that? That that we should have that shouldn't have happened. Yeah. You know, if you're gonna get beat. Beat us with something special. Mm. Beat us with something that we look back on and say, oh, well, <laughs> that was freaky. We couldn't do anything about yeah. that. Don't do not do that. Don't, Almost an effort play. Don't, don't, yeah. don't make, it, make us look bad <laughs> because we couldn't handle something that from the casual observer looked fairly nondescript, you know. But Wally could do that. Wally had great vision. Immortals, you've played with or against four of them. Wally is one. Bob Fulton, Arthur Beats and Mal Meninga. There is only 13 of them. And whenever discussing who's next, your name is at the top of most lists. What would that mean to you? I'm not an immortal of the game. As I've said to you before, I, I know my standing in the game and I am not of that, that ilk. The best of Peter Sterling. We hope you enjoyed The full interview is episodes 247 and 248 in our library of legends where none of our interviews or episodes ever date. So you can download the lot, rip in and get amongst the best rugby league talk there is. Make sure you come back soon, legends. UltimateMotorsportPrize.com.au. Tickets are just $20. All proceeds go to charity and you could be going to Indy.